I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In this podcast, we chat about the win against Birmingham, the defeat against Millwall. We look ahead to Borough's new search for a manager and Borough's game against Blackburn. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and this is our Borough Match Day chatter. In a pod. One support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig it? Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown podcast with Johnny Dana and Tom. We are the Borough podcast that gives you all of your Borough match day chatter in a podcast. And guys, I feel like we're coming full circle and I feel really, really upset because we're going to have to talk about another defeat, another manager and Borough being 20th place in the championship table um, and taking three points from the week. So guys, I knew you would be a little bit upset um, probably at the start of this podcast. So I thought I'd do something a little bit different and I thought, I'd welcome you to, to Johnny's happy place, um, the place <laughs> where everything is really happy. Um, so I thought I'd give you some really happy news. And if you don't watch us on YouTube, you will absolutely love our happy place with Dyke Steele in the sun um, and me outside of the shower silent in a shark costume. Um, Johnny, so is that I... an actual photo of you in a shark oh, costume? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if people follow me on Instagram, you will see I have a shark, me in a shark costume. Were you the left shark from that Katy Perry thing a few years ago? I wasn't no, but I, I was the baby in Baby Shark. Um, if if you are interested, but I thought you know I'd lighten the mood a little bit and give you some good news from the week. Um, so Sharon Osborne uh, turned seventy today. So happy birthday to Sharon! Um, Bears, Bisons, and Wolves are making a comeback. So nice to see Wolves improving uh, after Bruno Large getting the sack. Um, a, a really interesting one. Uh, Seth McFarlane. <laughs> has actually got a frog named after him. Um, it's called Hyloska Seth McFarlane I, um, and it's just made its first appearance. Uh, so, yeah, that is a pretty cool fact, isn't it? Um, Liverpool Jesus has Christ. been announced as Eurovision Song Contest uh, Horse City, and I thought I'd do a Teesside-related one, and it was a really nice piece in Teesside Live, this, but the KFC in Dolby Way, Middlesbrough, um, got an inspection rating of five for cleanliness, uh, and that's one of the highest in the UK. So up the T side, um, and, that, uh, and that's really nice, isn't it? But 
I've got a riddle to to leave you with. Um, we can, I'll come back to the end of the show. But what do Alexander the Great and Winnie the Pooh have in common? So that's your riddle, and I'll come back to it at the end of the show. But anyway, we'll talk about um, our three words and how we're feeling. So um, now you're much happier and uh, feel like you've been to Johnny's happy place. Um, Dana, how are you feeling in three words? Um, I don't know how to recover from that, to be honest. Um, <laughs> my three words, I, I'm going to take the, the, the feeling down, the happy feeling down for a second. Um, I just feel quite sad and deflated even after what you've just served up there Johnny <laughs> uh, rem- rem- remind myself of the match yesterday it's just yeah just really sad and deflated and um you know I went into this season with hope and optimism and I never felt like it was too much of that I never felt like I was going overboard with it I, I just had hope and belief I thought that it was going to be an ascent from last season coming into this one and it's more a it's more a rapid decent to be honest and it kind of feels like Borough are hurtling down from the sky and are gonna soon crash into the Eston Hills and combust that's kind of what it feels like it's just a, a massive shame um that the season sort of already in my opinion kind of petered out not in terms of possibilities because there's still a lot of points to play for but my feelings towards it as I said I was once quite hopeful and now I'm just a little bit apathetic in a way and, and to be honest, you were absolutely right to have that optimism at the start of the season. You know, everything was looking bright. And in typical Borough fashion, um, we we just are 20th in the in the championship table without a manager and things are falling apart. Uh, Tom, how are you feeling in three words? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say a little bit, uh, a bit deflated, but then Johnny's happy place happens. So I guess a bit confused now. And that, that kind of goes... Uh... <laughs> Goes double for the Borough season. To be fair, uh, as as Dana mentioned there, I, I mean I think it was a general feeling around the the Borough fan base that we were all optimistic for this season and like we were going to kick on. And it's just kind of like how did it end up in this situation? Um, it, it looked like you know we were going to be set up so well, and you know while the first half of uh, his tenure would give us some some such good football, second half not so much, but. You know, you could still kind of see the signs there, and then the Marseille game happened. You going into the season off off the back of that, watching some great football at Riverside against a, a Champions League team, and then just absolutely shocking for for like about most well most of the season. We have been unlucky in a few games, but mm. for the most part, there's players there who you know forgot how to play up until this this last week, really. Yeah, I think. When when we look at our performances and it's it's really difficult to 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 digest. I think I think after that Sunderland game, uh, we've been really really poor, like awful. Um, I think prior to that, you could have said being unlucky, we've switched off in key moments. It'll it'll work out. You know, we'll be in the top six. I think we'll be perfectly fine. And I think we've just completely combusted. And you know, obviously the season's not over by any means, but. It could, it has to be an improvement very soon. But I think my three words probably be sun, sangria, and Spain. I think because <laughs> I, I was having a lovely time in Spain. You know, I didn't want to come back. Um, I was like, you know what? Let these two crack on. They're on ITV news. You know, you're in the newspapers every week. So, I mean, maybe I'm the weak link here, and maybe I should just stay in Spain, and you two should just carry on with, with everything else. So, 
Um, but no, I think, yeah, I think Borough brought me down to earth and we were miserable watching it yesterday, Tom. So um, that, that was pretty much it, wasn't it? So, Aye. but let's talk, talk about like the, the first game of, of, the, of the week and, and look at Birmingham because Leo Persevich took charge for the first time. Absolute passionate Borough team um, with a passionate leader <laughs> in Leo. Um, Hayden Hackney, of course, got his, his first league start uh, for Middlesbrough and things were looking well with Tuber Akpom scoring early and Borough held on to, to get the three points. But Tom, how would you assess the performance against Birmingham? Well, I don't even think that was anywhere near the best we've ever played. Um, you know, I mean, it, it was nice to, to get the win, uh, but it was still a hell of a lot better than we have played previously this season. I think the key to it was that we were just doing the basics correctly, which I, I can't say for, you know, a, a lot of the matches that kind of preceded it. Um, you know, I think there was such a difference between Coventry and Birmingham. In Coventry, you had passes going, you know, five yards behind players and, uh, you know, people's movement was all, all over the place. Birmingham, it just seemed like we did that, those basics so well. Um, and we didn't really do anything kind of more than that. It wasn't anything flash or anything like that. It was just, you know, we covered the basics um, and and even doing that was just a massive improvement on where we were um, and, and ended up, you know, we deserved the win. Dana, what's, what's your thoughts as well? Uh, yeah, I thought we started well. I thought the press and the intention was, was good. And then I think we petered out, which is to be expected. I think the game went flat around five minutes maybe 10 minutes before half time and it never really picked up after that but we started well we did I thought Crooks was much better in winning those second balls that he's previously been quite weak in I think in those duels in midfield um and as Tom said I thought we were better in the in, in the basics because again reiterate what Tom said there we've we have been poor in in those little niggly parts of the game that are a big part in winning games you know those second balls those loose balls winning the key battles in key areas we just haven't been good in those moments as we've mentioned on many podcasts this season so we were much better in the first half but yeah we we faded and we didn't really pick up that energy I will say though it was a fairly poor contest and it was a very it was how I expected Borough against Birmingham to go (laughs) on a midweek night to quite poor teams on the night I would say overall it felt like a clash between 15th and 16th and I know that that's not where either side are in the table I'd love to be 15th or 16th at this point but it felt like a kind of low low down the table sort of affair to be honest you said the the game petered out and it was quite a dull game in the second half so do you think the the subs helped Borough keep control and try to limit the the, the danger or try and stop the game um, when when Birmingham were coming into it, a little bit, but I also think Birmingham were just pretty naff in general. To be honest, um, as I said, it was just two quite poor teams playing against each other. Um, I think Leo made the changes at, at good points because picking up from the the first half going into the second, if you don't have that energy, uh, even that 1% increase in energy in the second half, I do think you need to make a change. And I did say at the time to my dad, like, you know, we need to make a change here and he did. So yeah, maybe that 1% difference was all it really took in the end to give us that little tiny increase in uh, in energy. But all in all, I think we did, 
I never, to be honest, I never felt like Birmingham were were going to score in that game. To be honest, I mean, they nearly did when Dyson played the ball back. Well, yeah, um, that, and yeah. then we, you know, they nearly nicked in and scores. But yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. But in terms of uh, Hayden Hackney, I, I know I said at the start that he made his first league start uh, of the season and got man of the match. Borough fans seemed to be really happy with his performance. Um, Dana, how would you sum it up? Because yeah, by your Twitter account, it seemed like it wasn't. Um, you weren't overly impressed, but you just thought it was fairly decent, I guess. No, I think this is the thing with football discourse. It's binary, isn't it? It's either good or bad, and in between just doesn't exist. But I thought he was okay, and and that in itself is okay. He's got a good playing style. He's I don't I won't say he's got a lower centre of gravity, but he's he's very nippy and, and nimble. I think in being able to kind of drop the shoulder. He did it in the first half where he dropped the shoulder and and completely left his his man. I think it might be Bielik, and he showed some promise. But as was the case with the whole team, the whole game, I don't think anybody really stood out. And, and maybe Hackney did stand out for Borough fans because he wasn't expected to be in the team. Um, and I think with a lot of young players that do come into the team, we do kind of inflate their performance. Don't get me wrong, I thought he was okay, and that's fine. I would like to see more of him. Um, but yeah, he was he was all right. There were some good bits. Uh, he did fade out. I was expecting him to come off when he did because it usually happens with young players, uh, does it? They don't ever last the full game. But he does have potential. I would like to see more of him, like I said, because he is a ball carrier and that is <laughs> something that we are missing in midfield. So hopefully we can see more of him. Obviously, he came on yesterday against Millwall, but just a crap game from the point that he came on, to be honest. So unfortunate for him there. But yeah, he was all right. Yeah, it's interesting as well. I think the Bora's biggest weakness probably this year, bar the defensive errors that we've made, is is that progression from midfield to forward, getting the ball through the lines and trying to create chances from there, from Munis or Akpom and, you know, or trying to get the ball out wide to uh, to Giles and, and Jones. But Tom, Akpom did return, return with a goal, and you were fairly impressed with his link-up play with Munis. Yeah, I think we're starting to see some encouraging signs with that. Um, And weirdly enough, I think it it started in that extremely poor Coventry game. Um, Second half, uh, in in terms of the the hold-up play from from Muniz and the the link-up, he was getting some really good kind of like first touches just to kind of like knock it into Akpom's path. Um, And there's definitely something to, to work with there. I do think... You know, I think we like we said before, no one expected Akpom to even be in the team this year, and then he, he's he's come in and, and and proven that he he should be, and then he, even even in yesterday's game, uh, I, I still thought there was some encouraging signs for not only that link up, but what Akpom can actually offer as a striker. Um, because what what we saw was him being able to kind of use his body well to create space for himself, and and also, you know, a bit of pace with his uh, with his dribbling as well. So I think those two up front have have the attributes to be uh, a, a pretty decent partnership. But I, I by no means think that we're even seeing close to the best of them yet. Yeah, and this partnership will only will only grow as well if they get the opportunity to play together more. Um, I agree with everything you're saying there on the creating space, but bringing each other in. Uh, but I thought yesterday they just didn't really click. But I think that was more of like Bora's way of playing yesterday, and the progression was all wrong. And we played into to Millwall's handling. And let's chat ch- about Millwall because the coaching team did make three changes uh, to the side that beat Birmingham. Um, 
and it was a very, very dull day at the Den uh, with us getting beat 2-0 and having some horrendous errors, uh, especially for that second goal. Uh, but we'll come to that in a second. Uh, but Dana, I, I hate talking about this game and I, I felt like I wanted to switch off after about 5-10 minutes because I just felt like the defeat was coming. Um, but how would you assess that performance against Millwall on Saturday? <sighs> Probably that. <laughs> Probably that, in all honesty. You know Moving what? on. <laughs> no, Leo said before the game that in order to to get something, we have to give everything. And I made a note of that before the game, and I, I never thought I'd actually use it afterwards. But the way that we performed in the second half in particular, when we knew that we were goal down, and then obviously we went 2-0 down, I didn't see that fight and that desire from the players to get back into the game. They looked... All at sea, they look like they're on completely different wavelengths. And I didn't really see any frustration either. Um, so the commitment there was 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 just really sad to see the, the kind of disconnect of that whole team. Um, and yeah, I mean, we started, I thought the first half was, listen, we were toothless, but we were creating some good moments in the build-up and crucially with Borough, I mean, we've spoken about it on the podcast this season, being poor poor in key defensive moments. We were poor in key offensive moments yesterday, you know, those five-yard balls that just went wayward. Um, when you want your touch to be good enough to take it into your grasp, it was like a trampoline. Um, the crossing nine times out of ten was poor and it was inconsistent. Um, it was those moments that really broke our attacks down. There was a great counter-attack in the first half where Crooks had the ball it was just a simple pass to Jones in the space in front of him and it was played behind him and he had to quickly kind of recover those yards keep the ball in play and all of a sudden you're in a, a, a much wider position to be able to deliver that ball and Jones's deliveries from from wide are not good they're really poor actually so you want him more in those tight spaces close to the 18 yard box and, and Crooks just delivered a really really bad pass which summed up our game and then another moment that summed up our game was in the second half when Ryan Giles went to take a throw nobody offered themselves for the ball and then I think it was given as a foul throw just sums yeah. us up I mean to be honest I'm glad that it was given as a foul throw because he probably would have frigging conceded from it the way that we did against Coventry so yeah it was poor in the second half was just I went for a toilet break to be honest I, was, I checked out I didn't want to watch that game and um, I don't blame anybody else if they stop watching I mean, how long? That was a long toilet break. I mean, if you <laughs> as well. So, um, but we'll 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 get we'll get past that bit. Um, but Tom, new court, new coaching team, obviously with Lids, uh, Mark Tinkler and Catamol and and Leo, but the same old mistakes again. Is there more to it than than just individual errors now? Yeah, I mean, I think there has to be. I think there's there's certainly a, a confidence issue, which I, I wouldn't have thought there would be after after Birmingham. <clears throat> it did seem like we were back on track. Um, and, and, you know, I, I wouldn't say the confidence was sky high after that game, but a win should have done the, more, the world of good. And they did look like they'd actually played football together before. So it's um it, it was starting to look a little bit better after after Birmingham. I think it'd be unfair to kind of put everything on the the new coaching team. They've only really had them a week. Um whoever the new manager is is gonna have some work to do when he comes in to to cut out the mistakes and, and you know bring bring the players up. Um but I mean Gary Rowett was saying it in the um in the post post match presser for, for his side that he knew 
all of Borough's uh, threat was going to be from set pieces or down the wings. And I don't know, Millwall just kind of set up perfectly. I, I thought Jones had a pretty poor game against Murray Wallace, who I, I thought played really well. Um, as Dana was saying there, his delivery is not that great anyway. And then I, I can't remember too many good deliveries from either side um, during that game. But I, I, I don't feel like you you play that way against Millwall anyway. Like when you look at who they have in their, their um, in their defensive line, it's going to be very difficult for the strikers to kind of like win anything there. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think the the only thing I can kind of say, I, I think this actually came off as a piece, but Mina's had a free header in the first half, which he should have done a lot better with. Mm. Um, and, and I think that was probably one of the only good deliveries I can I can remember from that. Um, but overall. I feel like you know we did play into the runs. They were they were set up to to stop us, and it's a bit concerning now um, that you know that there's two managers in the space of a few weeks who've both come out and said the same thing about how to, how to stop us, and the teams have ex- executed that. I'd say fairly perfectly, but we did score two against Cardiff. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's concerning that we're that obvious to, to people and. and you know, if they have a plan to stop us, we don't have a plan to stop that. There's been a few managers yeah. that have come out and said it. I was going to make a thread actually on Twitter about it. There was, you know, from Steve Bruce, the very first game of the season, Paul Ince, um, Tony Mowbray, a lot of managers have come out and highlighted our weaknesses. You know, Steve Bruce put a man on Johnny House and restrict the build-up, um, stop Jones, double up on Jones, Paul Ince said, and, and Giles as well. It is very easy to to stop us. It's easy to to expose our weaknesses, and one of them is also balls in behind, um, which was a problem for us last season as well, uh, and this season even more so because I think you do have that more attacking dynamic with jo- with Giles now with Jones as well um, on the wings. They're very advanced on and they're very attacking, so you're going to have that fallback of uh, we're going to get caught in behind. But as I said many times on this podcast, we've got to be better in possession. We're just not like the simple passes, the basics of football. We're just not doing them right. And it's infuriating because we were doing them spot on last season, which makes it all the more annoying that we're not doing them properly this season. Yeah, it it is a both spot on. Like I was going to come at that point as well around like us in possession and the way that Millwall played yesterday. They were set up in a very narrow low block with putting without the ball. Um and they were just trying to win that second ball every time. They knew they'd win it as well. They knew that as soon as the, if the ball was like there for, for contention, they were winning that ball. They were turning us over quite quickly. And they made things really easy for us. And it was very easy for Millwall to, to pick up the points yesterday. And it felt like not just a confidence issue, but it kind of knew before the game even kicked off that we were going to get beat. And I felt like the, the their goal, their first goal came at a, a really bad time for us really because we were growing in the game. I felt like the confidence was starting to build. We were starting to be a bit better in possession, not great, but better in possession. And the tempo was slowly starting to pick up. I was like, oh, here we go. We're being the better of the two sides. Here we go. And then the first goal happened, which I'm going to come on to in a second, Tom, so be ready. Um, but it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's very, very difficult to watch at the moment. And 
it's more than a confidence issue for me. It's it's definitely the fundamentals of football. You have to get spot on. And knowing Lids and, and Tinkler and Campbell, they have been absolutely drilling them uh, into them all like the last week. And they have said the basics win football and simplicity done well wins football matches. And after if you progress like that, wins titles. And we just not we're nowhere near the standard of where we should be um, and where we we thought we would be at the start of the season. And the only people that can do that is the player themselves, and that comes from leadership. Um, and Mano did say that a lack of leadership is to to blame. And do you think that is the difference, Tom? Do you think we just need that leadership to to come through? Um, I, I mean, it, it could have a you know an effect on it, but we should have the players there to to actually provide that leadership now. I mean, in in different ways. Obviously, Johnny House and one of, well, possibly the most experienced player in the squad, uh, isn't morally like the Grant Ledbetter type who will shout at people, but he, he can kind of lead by example and help people out. Daryl Enahan was brought in with that in mind, the the whole kind of leadership thing, and we did see it in the early games. So I don't, I don't know if it's something to kind of do with the. Um, the group dynamics or, or, or anything, if they if they may be not respecting people as leaders, but you know, someone does need to kind of get hold of people on the pitch and you know give them a, a shout and ask the, the same way, kind of like Ledbetter would have done um, back in the day. Um, you know, I, I do think we are missing that on the pitch a little bit. Dinner, what do you think? Yeah, we've spoken about this before many times, haven't we? And you, you talk about Johnny House and leading by example there. How how leading by example? By being an average player that probably should have been replaced about two seasons ago. I don't get it. You know, we spoke about the different types of leaders. I remember say, you saying, Johnny, that you don't necessarily need to be a shouter. I think we need a shouter. I think we need somebody that's going to be vocal. You know, I, I looked at the reaction of the players after we conceded that second goal yesterday and they, they were all just looking at each other. They're all just stood there looking at each other. There's no nobody giving them a rollicking. And, and to be honest, we haven't had that type of character since Ledbetter and he's left a giant hole in that in that team, in the club. And I do think we need somebody that can just be that organiser, be that gobshite, if you like, and and really talk to these players because I think we need somebody that can galvanise them. Um, Warnock said we've got a quiet dressing room. Wilder said he wanted to address the issues of leadership. In fairness to Warnock, he brought in leaders. He brought in Bamba, Peltier, Neil Taylor, experienced players that I think can give the the younger lads a, somebody to look up to in a way um, and confide in or whatever. But then obviously we, we lost them in the summer because they were out of contract and they were right to, to be released and moved on. But then we brought in Lenahan. Alex Moore was captain at Barnsley, but having read a bit about him, he was more of a quiet leader. Um, so I think we need somebody that is a shouter. Um, I know it's very, it's the kind of go-to when you think about leaders, but I do think that's what we need. Somebody that could just take somebody by the balls and say, right, you were, you were poor there, be better next time. And, yeah, it's just the same old problems, isn't it? We I feel like a broken record coming on here talking about it again because I remember under Warnock when things were really bleak, it looked like we were going down. It was the same same conversation, same conversation about leadership. Why has it been rectified? Just on, on that leadership stuff, and I know he's both saying like everyone need to bring players in, but leadership is also made in these moments, like pressure makes diamonds, and 
Borough showing that they can't handle any pressure whatsoever, and that's frustrating. I think if you want to be a leader and you want to show that leadership trait, you've got to demand it from yourself, and I think you've got to demand it in in those in those hard moments, like you said, and they're turning around like they're all looking at each other and trying to point the blame and that that fault responsibility kind of aspect of of, of things, but. Leadership is made. You can be a leader within yourself. And in terms of if things go wrong, you can change that course of, of action in terms of on, on the pitch. You can try and drag your team off the shit and, and get them really going again on it. But it doesn't look like they want to do that. I mean, I think Lenahan is a good leader. You can hear him shouting all the time. Um, it's a good leadership. Housen can prove it and he has shown it. But just needs to be more. I just feel like... It, there's just like there's either two things in football one accountability how how difficult is it to tell someone who's on a thousand to thousands of pound a week to do something um when things aren't going right they go well i'm still getting paid a few thousand pound every week so well what what are you going to do like what are you going to do i'm on a contract for four years whatever like you can they can have that or you can have someone who is a who is a leader and will look to change a dressing room and try and get people out, out of, of the woodwork and do that through action in terms of on the pitch or in the dressing room. Having a good manager who is very, very good at EQ, like emotional intelligence, that will probably bring up the best of the players as well and try to understand them. But at this moment in time, it is a big, big job, whoever comes in the building now, to try and turn that around and identify a potential leader and try and make them one fairly quickly because... It's going to be a long winter if if we don't otherwise. But we'll have a look at these these goals then, because the first goal, Tom Borough thought it should have been a throw-in, and it wasn't. There was a foul and a big deflection. Uh, do you think Stefan had any chance at all? Uh, no, and I feel I feel sorry for him because you know he'd it, gone the right way to begin with. Um, very unlucky deflection. I think the the way it hit Akpom. If it hit me any other way, it's you know was kind of bouncing back to the free kick taker or you know off in a different direction. But I had to just just hit him right on the the right spot just to kind of spin, and it it was as far into the corner as you could possibly get. So I think by the time Stefan had readjusted and and kind of seen what happened, I, I don't think he had too much of a too much of a chance with that one. But yeah, it was it was a poor poor goal to concede yeah and then the second goal Dana um... <laughs> I've got a headache already <laughs> honestly you know it's it comes at such a bad time because it effectively kills the game off you know in the second half you're trying to get back into it and then that happens it's a massive sucker punch but when the, it's, it's so easy it's so so easy when the ball comes into the box Fleming is in an offside position but who's marking him you know who's supposed to be in that area you would think Jones it's Jones's area right but he co- it comes into the box it's put into an, an area and then it's a I think it's a an aerial duel is it between Crooks and one of their players Crooks loses that which is very typical of Bora right now because again in those key moments we're, we're missing out we're we're not winning them as we probably should and then still you know you it, I, I would welcome anybody if you really want to go back and even talk about that game watch Fleming throughout the entirety of this move. He's never picked up by anybody. You know, Jones is, is again, you would say that that's his area, but he's just sauntering back. And I think Paddy's got somebody, Paddy's marking somebody, Housen's marking somebody. I think they're all marking an area at least. But I feel like it's Jones there. I, I did question McNair initially, but 
watching when the ball comes into the box from the free kick, I think Paddy McNair is, is with somebody. I think it might be uh, Bogle Sammer that he's with. But Jones just saunters back and he has been um, culpable of doing that, of switching off and, and not being present defensively sometimes. And it's that uh, aerial duel, the, the, the sort of 50-50 in the air, if you like, that Crooks loses. And then, of course, out of all the players that it could possibly fall to, it falls to the player that's been free for what feels like about 15 hours rather than 15 seconds. And it's just so simple. He uh, volleys it beyond Zach Steffen. And I spoke there about the reaction. They're all just stood there. They're all just stood there looking at each other, like complete statues. They just, uh, Maddo said it after the game, that, they just accepted what had happened to them. They accepted the fit. And and that is so infuriating to see. On on the on the last on the last sorry, then on the last graphic you're saying everyone is looking at Jones. I don't know if you've picked that up. Um but I think like that's one way to kind of say that was kind of your man. Um but in terms of like the phases of that of that <laughs> I'm agreeing that moment, I, just yeah. I, I want out <laughs> just <laughs> just get me so far away from all of those players. <laughs> But but on, on on that goal though, like when you talk about set pieces, the phases of of of, of play in that moment, like when you're looking at Fleming, there, being offside in that first phase of play is, is is actually quite good because people will leave you and you will generate space from that because then all that second phase you're gonna when as the defense drops back you're gonna come on come on side and you're gonna be on match. But on that first phase, you need to kind of pick up your man and say right. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. He is the one for, for us to drop into. We need to get more goals on him when this ball happens to like explain to why. So if the ball gets played out wide, you know it's going to be a long die again. So you've got to try and get yourself back into that in that line and try and get goal side of it. And there's just so much wrong with it. I mean, if you if, if you want to look back all the way through it, you're getting that McNair's not on, on goal side straight away. The third, like the third phase of it where 
I think Housen stood still, and then there's like a man just behind him, and then they've got like Ossie Jones who just leaves Fleming by himself, and it's just all poor, poor things. And like it comes back to the point that I made uh, made earlier that you know we weren't winning the second balls, we weren't trying to turn over the play, we weren't trying to to get a foothold in the game, and to be honest, it was just so poor. Honestly, probably one of the worst performances I've seen this season and how many times have we said that in the last few weeks <laughs> and it's it's getting to a point now where it's just getting really frustrating for fans and I feel for us because you know I, I think every fan this season expected for us to to be where uh, to be right near the top really progressing this year last year was really good and everyone just feels like the, the stuff has been kicked out of them and it's going to take a lot um for us to try and get back to to the good moment but I'm going to go at the present place um, because the present place is the place. We give praise to a player staff, chips and gravy, or chips and curry in your place, Dana. Um, S66 Sports wear, T-side clothing, and many, many more. Um, so, present place. Is there a, a present place for anyone this week? Tom, do you want to go first? You know what? I mean, I don't know how popular this is going to be, but I'm going to say Zach Steffen this week. Um, when I mentioned players doing the basics right, uh, particularly on Wednesday, I thought he was one of them. Considering the amount of balls that he's flapped at or punched out of the um, punched out of the box this season, you know, ridiculous ones as well, where it could have been an easy catch. I think he made more catches in the Birmingham game than he has done all season. He was finally kind of like getting that spot on. He's made you know a decent save against Birmingham. When uh, when Dyke Steele played there, uh, played Scott Hogan through. Very good save, actually. I would say. And that, that, that double save yesterday that he made, one from the free kick. Fair enough. He he made. I mean, the ball was moving. He could have done a little bit better to keep hold of it in the first place. But the reactions to make that second save, um, like I say, he, he seems to be one of the ones who's gone back to basics uh, this week and done them extremely well. Dana. Sack Stefan's in. Dana, who are your picks? Um, you know what? I'm going to put Akpom in there because I like the fact that he poached that goal against Birmingham. He is a poacher and it's crazy, isn't it, that we're looking for that sort of player. And we, we did bring one in in Marcus Force, but one has already been here this whole time in, in Chibra Akpom. So I think with him, he... He's taking that redemption out really well so far, I think. It's just a shame that we have become a little bit toothless up front in terms of creating those chances and become a little bit predictable in the build-up. But I also want to put in something completely unrelated to to the game. Uh, I want to put in Teesside Tom, who has helped us uh, create podcast merch. Uh, and just a little plug for this because um, it kind of feels like product placement here. Uh, fantastic. Uh, just putting this in very seamlessly. But uh, yeah, the uh, Borough Breakdown merch, 100% of the proceeds go to the Motor Neuron Disease Association, which is our chosen charity. Uh, we are in October, which is our dedicated um Charity Month uh, and Awareness Month for MND and the Motor Neuron Disease Association. So you could go and pick up a Shithouse Island t-shirt or a Malt Curse mug um, and other Borough Breakdown branded things. Um, yeah, Teesside Tom goes in the in the crazy place because I think that is such a fantastic gesture to to donate 100% of the proceeds to the Motor Neuron Disease Association. So yeah, it's www.t... Uh, Dash. Hi, dash, yeah. T-side.co.uk and uh, yeah, the Borough Breakdown merch will be there. Sorry, lost my brain there for a second. 
I hope it's a dash because I've just I've just guessed as well. So um, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, I was going to say we'll height and it's it's same thing, isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's just it's tomato, tomato. It's just you'll find it. It's in the it's in the comments below of the podcast provider and in your YouTube section as well. So fine. Um, but I think for me, I will go. I'll probably go the coaching team. I think of of Lids, um, Tinkler and Catamon and, and and Leo. Like, and I know Leo's going to get a lot of the, like um, the mentions because he's the, like the head coach at this moment in time. But you could see in that Birmingham game that this team was drilled by Craig Little and Mark Tinkler by a country mile. It was just so basics in terms of like patterns of play, style and, and basics and trying to win that second ball. And obviously Dick, who obviously will be on the podcast for you, he'll tell you after we'll have to work under off the lids. It was kind of felt like, yeah, this is a Craig Little team, this. Um, but I feel like they deserve a lot of credit because last week when, when Wilder got sacked and... It was just like, wow, this actually happened. Now we need to get this team on the pitch and try to get a win. And when we did so on against Birmingham, so really, really good for us to try and get that. And I think they deserve a, a place in the present place. And whether they'll be in charge come Saturday against Blackburn, I don't think they will be. Um, but we'll we'll soon see. And yeah, I think they just deserve the praise this week and also praise for T-Side Tom and, and also our Tom as well. Tom, I'll give you a bit of praise as well just because you, you don't want you to be the only one out left out. Um, but um, let's let's move on to questions then because each week you send us your questions in via Twitter, our email at theboroughbreakdown.hotmail.com or join our Telegram chat with 300 Borough fans chatting everything but Borough. Um, and you've got loads of different chats in there around gaming, uh, tickets, uh, championship, Premier League, and just a standard chat where anything happens. So, yeah, be prepared if you want to join. It's absolutely free. Um, so the first question, uh, it's from Sean. Um, he says, could not see a plant today. No identity. House attempts to find space to receive the ball. Very few of the other players uh, appear to show any movement. I understand how low, uh, low confidence, but a lack of desire or determination supports. The question is, what kind of side are we? Um, Sean, I'm going to tell you. We're not a very good one um, at the moment. <laughs> uh, we're not a very good side at all. Um, the basics are just not being done correctly. I think the attitude is is uh, is quite low at the moment. It comes back to that leadership conversation that we were having as well. Um, vital that we get that done first uh, when the new management team comes in. But then also, when you're a team that is in the place that you are, you've got to, as, as Steve Bruce says... You just got to try and roll your sleeves up and play. Um, and <laughs> how far that takes you, by the case of say Bruce, not very far. Um, but you've got to try and have quality and, and key moments in that place. But I think what kind of side we we can be a good side. We can be a very good side. We're just not showing it at all. Um, but the next question uh, from Anthony, and he says, "Is it about time we heard from the top? What's the project? Why wasn't Tav replaced? Was Wilder missold this vision?" Um, Dan, you can take this one. And I feel like we've spoken about this so many times over the like, last four and a half years we've been on this podcast around a vision, around getting someone in the director of football, getting the right players and getting, you know, the whole, I mean, you can read the, the article on our website. I mean, we've we spoke about it many, many times. But what do you think? Is it about time we heard from the top? I would say so. Others would disagree because they'd say that, you know, what good does that do? And I I do understand that point of view because I mentioned it two podcasts ago that a lot of the quotes that Steve Gibson and Cole come out with are used out of context and they're misquoted and then it becomes a stick to beat the club with. But I don't know. I just feel like something 
would would be nice to hear you know what is what is the direction of this club do we want to be competitive in the playoff region of the championship do we want to try to go for promotion or is this a long-term building block sort of project where we're going to try to be competitive this season and obviously I don't know maybe try to to push into the the top six but it's not so much of a of a necessity this season we just kind of want to keep building is that the direction um I'd just love to hear it um you know what what good would it do I don't know I think for some fans it would just be nice to hear from him to be honest and um and just go forward knowing that we've been communicated with and we have a few of the and maybe some accountability maybe for for mistakes that have been made over the past few years I would like to hear that I know some people just don't see it as any sort of good and I do understand that, but for me personally, I, I do want to have that communication from the top because I think fans are restless right now. I think they're quite confused. Um, they bought into the project under Chris Wilder. It was very quickly, it turned sour, didn't it? And I think it was the right decision to let Wilder go. But especially after that, when we've been taken on this journey that Wilder spoke about quite often, to then be kind of left, uh, and I don't know, Wilder's just gone off without us. I think that kind of hurts a little bit and I would like to hear some sort of reassurance and, you know, what, what is the plan for Middlesbrough Football Club going forward? Okay, then. Next question is from Ben. Uh, he says, how important is momentum and starting off the season right? I think it's fair to say that this squad of players are much better than the league position we're in, even if we're lacking depth. Uh, Tom, take this one. How important is momentum and starting the season off right? Well, I think last year Nottingham Forest proved the uh, the importance of momentum, but not necessarily starting the season off right. If you get momentum at the right time, you know you can you can ultimately make the playoffs and and get through them like they did. Um, and unfortunately, we found ourselves in a very similar position to them uh, at, at this point of the season. Just sacked our manager. Um, so we've got to have someone come in, hit the ground running and get us some momentum straight away. Um, in terms of starting the season right, I think we'd all prefer that Borough just win every game. Um, <laughs> it would <will> be nice. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going into the season thinking, oh, it doesn't matter if we if we don't start well. You know, We'd rather just always be doing well. Um, but like I say, I think... There's been, I mean, Forest is one example, but there's been enough clubs that have just kind of like come out of nowhere uh, halfway through the season or towards the end of the season and, and ended up having uh, a really positive finish. So it's not the end of the world that we haven't started strong. It's just, it's very important to get the momentum when the new manager comes in. Okay, the next question is from Jonathan. He says, it feels like we've tried every type of manager, experienced in Pulis and Warnock, inexperienced with Southgate and Woodgate, and obviously, if you want to go into like McLaren and, and you know all that kind of stuff, we can go into that. But uh, up and coming like Monk and Karanka, local hero and Mowbray, and nothing has stuck since McLaren. No idea who should we get next. Um, but who should we get next? Because you know Leo's not going to get it. There's three names leading the way in Carrick, Edwards, and Carberon. And I think Alan Nixon said last night that um, Mark Robbins is in the frame as well. But I think he just throws every name at it and to see if one sticks and he'll take credit for it. But um, the, the thoughts on... Uh, oops. Um, um, thought, thoughts on the names linked then, because who does get your pick? Who who do guys who do you guys want as, as the manager to come in uh, probably this week? 
Uh, Dana, do you want to go first? Um, yeah, I think for me, my number one is still Rob Edwards, but I must admit, none of them are really jumping out to me. Um, and none of them, I mean, Rob Edwards isn't my number one pick by a country mile. Uh, I just think that Rob Edwards, I think, has uh, has worked under Kieran Scott before or has at least got a relationship with him being described uh, as his best mate in football. I read and uh, he has a good coaching background as well, coaching Wolves, uh, coaching uh, the England youth set up for a while, obviously did incredibly well at Forest Green Rovers, got them promoted. Um, and I think what I've said before about a manager that can grow along along with a football club, I think that would tick a lot of boxes. But also Corbrand's a good middle ground between that potential and somebody that is experienced and has the the CV behind him because Corbrand did fantastically with Huddersfield last season. There was a point when we played them, uh, it was Wilder's first away game where a lot of their fans were very, very unhappy with him. But he turned it around. He's a very flexible manager. He's, he can play three at the back with, with really high wing backs. He can play four at the back, one up front, two up front. He's he's very flexible, uh, Carl Baran. And I think that might be what we're in need. There's a few questions about the system, the formation. It doesn't work. Why do we still persist in with 3 5 2? So maybe we just need fresh ideas and fresh fresh eyes. And I think Corbran is available and he's somebody that I think Borough fans would would get behind because, as I said, he's that middle ground between that potential and, and the experienced manager. Um, I don't necessarily think we need an experienced manager. I've seen a lot of Borough fans say that, that we do. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, because what's just as important, if not just a tiny little bit more important than who we actually bring in is making sure that the set, set up around him is is good. And, and healthy and is the right platform for them to be able to succeed because we've gone in with inexperienced managers before and given them inexperienced coaches around them and we've just never quite got the right fit as a whole package so Boren need to make sure that you know the the coaching staff around the the manager that we bring in is is good they need to make sure that that manager or head coach fits the structure in the model that's just as important as the name and who we bring in so for me, I think it's Rob Edwards number one, Corbyn number two. Tom, I'm very similar to Dana in that none of the names are really kind of like jumping out to me. But I don't feel like at the moment any name would. You could tell me we're getting some someone as accomplished as like Jose Mourinho coming in tomorrow, <laughs> and I still, I, I mean, I'd, I'd be looking forward to his press conferences, but I wouldn't wouldn't know what it, what to even expect on the pitch. <clears throat> um. I do agree with what Dan has just said there about the, you know, we've made mistakes before in terms of like bringing in uh, a head coach who fits the model, but then like inexperienced coaches around them. Um, I know one of the things that Alan Nixon had put out was the potential Michael Carrick coming in, but bringing in Mike Phelan and Rene Mielenstein, I think is how you pronounce his name. I've never had to say that before. Great pronunciation, but, um... that on the money, on the money. <laughs> Um, I kind of like that idea on paper. I mean, it, it, even though I think both of them have tried to to be managers and and, and not done great, um, maybe they're more suited to coaching. Um, but I, I kind of like that idea because they've all been around um, Man United under Fergie and ultimately on the training ground, standards will be very high under them. Um, obviously, as a manager, there's not really a lot to base anything on on, on Carrick. Um, but then again, there hasn't been on, on some of our uh, our more successful managers. Um, that being said, 
I did think Rob Edwards would have been a, a great shout uh, just for the, the work he's done with uh, with Forest Green. And as Dana was mentioned, he's got a, a decent uh, background in, in coaching as well. It's just we would need to bring in uh, a decent coaching staff with him, I think. I think if you bring in a head coach now, then you need a very good coaching team around him. And I, I think... You know, obviously, Leo will stay because I, I don't think he's he's ever going to leave. I think it's a lifetime contract. But, um, yeah, I, I think the, the, the current coaching team that we have, um, they're all kind of very much academy-based on this, so they'll probably go back to their, their previous roles um, and, and kind of, like, build up from there. But we do need, um, you know, someone to come in uh, for this head coach model and bring in a decent coaching team as well. Um so in a very kind of like long roundabout way, I'd probably lean more towards Carrick at the moment, but Rob Edwards is a very close second there. Yeah, uh, I'm sad <clears> with <throat> you slightly time on, on Carrick and Edwards. You know, I think Edwards, like you, like you both said, I think he's a really good foundation. He got a really good foundation as a coach. Done well uh, everywhere he's been, obviously, by Watford, but I think no one does well at Watford, to be honest. Um, so it's, <laughs> you can kind of like, sorry, Lou, um, Luke's word, but, um, but you know, you get, yeah, everyone knows it's not like a secret, is it? Um, but I think with, with Carrick as well, like when you look at his elite playing career, and obviously that doesn't always translate into good coaches, of course. Um, but I think like his position as a player, I remember like previously where he, he, He'd always try and occupy the space and know how to start a move when he was playing, how to get in that right moment and try to just distribute the ball and try to create chances. And I feel like that does come, come quite well um, when you're a coach. Um, and he showed that when he was Man United manager, interim manager for for a couple of games. Um, but in terms of his, his foundation, you know, working under Sir Alex, he's worked under Jose, Louis van Gaal, um, Ollie, <clears throat> I don't really want to say too much about that, but um, but like I think he's got a really good foundation and a really good coaching ability in, from from in, inside football. I think everyone seems to be really really high on on, on Michael Carrick, so it could be a, a good appointment from us. It does fit the system in terms of bringing players through. Um, Middlesbrough have always wanted to try to do that. There's also like the tick the box exercise of trying to make this sustainable now because that Gibson won't want to throw loads of money at it anymore than he has done previously because he's got burnt in the past. And trying to build a team that will be sustainable but also try and generate more and more revenue as well and get more excitement and togetherness from the fans. So I feel like he does fit the system that way. But then also so does Edwards. Um so I think Either of those two would be perfect for me. I quite like them, but also Corbyn is, is is still a, a really good manager as well. So it's um yes, yeah, yeah, I think he failed at um Olympiacos just just this season. I think he had two wins in eleven, I think. Um so obviously a difficult time there, but what's saying you can come back and be a successful coach again, anyone can be so. Um but I think there's th- there are three good names. Mark Robbins is also a good name. But for me, I think Carrick or Edwards, I think I'd be happy with. Um, but also, I'm happy with Cobra as well. But very cop-out answer. But I think I've got in my head. I'd probably score with Carrick for now, I think. Um, just for just for history, tends to repeat itself. You know, McLaren, Karankner, now Carrick. never know. Well, Robson as well. Robson as well for Manchester United. So um, there you go. But who knows? It, it, it's a really difficult one. But what's the what's the first thing that this new manager needs to do when they do take charge? They need to get the basics right and also they need to galvanise this unit because we saw them play incredibly well last season. I don't think that's me overrating them. We played with with such 
authority and, and confidence. And I said last season, last podcast, we played like we knew we were the shit. And it was so good to watch us because you could see that confidence. It 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 absorbed itself into the crowd and those players just need to be reminded of how good they can be. And I don't believe that this team have just become bad overnight. I think they can get back to the standards that they set last season. I think they just need a manager that can put his arm around them and remind them of how good they were, remind Jones of how good he was, remind Crooks how good he was and probably say Crooks, you need an operation on that hernia because, mate, you cannot play on with that injury. Um, Because apparently he has been playing with a hernia for a number of weeks, um, which would probably explain his performances, to be honest. But they just need a manager that could sort out the basics and really galvanise this team because they can play. They need to believe in themselves. They've done what we saw last season, playing incredibly well, beating Manchester United, albeit we did get incredibly lucky in that game. But then there was nothing lucky about that game against Tottenham. You know, we were fantastic there. And then even in league games as well, very, very good. Winning in different ways, being the team that can pop up with a goal late on, that belief that that we've lost. I think the fans have lost it. You know, when you go 1-0 down, I don't feel like Borough could get back into the game anymore, which is a shame because I did believe last season. Um, and winning games, being defensively organised and and winning games, beating Derby 4-1 and shutting all their fans up. So we've we've had a few ways to win. We just need to get that confidence back. That is a big percentage of playing football and winning games. It's that confidence. Okay, well, well let's move on then. Let's let's chat about um, on Blackburn then because but it's a massive, massive game for any manager that comes in uh, to the football club or who, if it could be Leo that takes charge. But Rovers have been doing relatively quite well this season. They're very inconsistent in terms of win-loss, win-loss um, because since Sheffield United, they have been on that run exactly. So they've won a game, they lost a game and they won yesterday. So do you know what that means? We could beat them, what's that there? Um, <laughs> fun fact, they've, nev- they've actually never drawn a game this season any- uh, either. Uh, John Dahl Thomason has shown flexibility um, in his team by switching from a 4-2-3-1 and a 3-4-3 or 3-4-1-2. It depends how they rotate and how they play, um, which is a good shape. And it's a good shape for a team that likes to dominate in possession. They have done uh, this season with low, 62, low 60s in terms of possession for most games. Um, only lost three times and one of them was against Swansea. And I think no one, no one ever beat Swansea in possession because they're just pass for passing sake. Um, <laughs> but in terms of the style... Light to play through the lines, get on the ball, try and get the ball out wide. The two, uh, the, there's a few players that I want to point out. Obviously, Burton Diaz will always get the name seven goals a season, but did limp off injured yesterday. Um, and John Dal Thompson is still waiting for him to, to get a scan, so we don't know the, the extent of that. But Tyree Stolen's doing well this year with four assists, but there is a couple of players that I really do like in this side. This side, um, Tyler Martin, who was on loan from Liverpool, 19 year old centre midfielder. He's one of the highest players, uh, one of the highest rated players in terms of chances created this season, and he looks like a very, very good talent in that left centre midfield role. And then also the left back as well, um, and Pickering as well, um, Pickering, because, yeah, Pickering, Pickering, and and also Ryan Hedges on that right hand side because Pickering is that replacement for Giles, and obviously that that was a big, big hole on their side, and he's came into the team and, and done remarkably well. And also Ryan Hedges will cause a lot of problems. He's creating a lot of assists and a lot of chances for these forwards. And those are going to have to be on the on the tours for this one because I feel like their attacking line and their ability to create chances is really, really strong. 
Um, but obviously my personal favourite is Lewis Travis. Um, I've been watching him for, for years and he dominates the play. And if you want a replacement for Johnny House and Lewis Travis is your man. I mean, we'll become Middlesbrough Rovers FC again, but he is a very, <laughs> very good player. Um, and I think Borough could have a, a very, very difficult afternoon on Saturday if we let them dominate the ball, let them get a foothold in the game. We have to interrupt their play if we are to get anything from this game. But guys, I was going to do predictions for today. Um, and how are you feeling about this? Because obviously... First game for a new manager could potentially be the case. Anything can happen. Um, but how are you uh, predicting this game? What do you think? Win, loss, draw, match abandoned? Uh, Tom, <laughs> what's your prediction? Well, they've not drawn all season, and I don't think um, I don't think we have much luck with like the new manager bounce. It always ends up being like a loss and a draw first, and then in a couple of games time we start winning. So I reckon one all draw on Saturday. Well, I'll draw Dana. You know, I'm going to go 2 2. I think it's going to be a game where, obviously, yeah, I agree with Tom. I don't think we, I don't think we ever have that new manager about. So if we do get uh, a new manager and I can't see him winning the first game, uh, and I think it's going to be a relatively high scoring affair uh, between the two sides. Um, I was I was looking though. Um, Blackburn have a fairly low XG this season. Um, mm. If I just bring it back up on Fotmob. Uh, expected goals twelve point two, which is twenty second rank in the in the league. So that means that they're probably going to score about five against us. Uh, but I'll go with two two. <laughs> one one two two. Should I just go three three? Because it's just like yeah, so it's nice. <laughs> as long as it's not nil nil. We don't want another um, nil nil. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be a dead scrappy game. I think if we have to make it scrappy, to be honest, to to try and get ourselves into the game. Um, and then try and build on that. And I'll take a 1 0 win any day of the week. Um, so I'm going to go 1 0 penalty in the 92nd minute, and that'll do me. Um, <laughs> but, guys, thank you very much uh, for joining me as always. And thank you very much to the listener for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. And just before I go, going back to the real side uh, in Johnny's happy place, um, of what do you, what do Alexander the Great and Winnie the Pooh have in common? Do you know? Do you still know? No, absolutely not them. clear. It's the middle names. There you go. That's that's the riddle of the day. Um, so thank you very much, guys. Uh, a win and a defeat and a new manager await. Uh, this has been the Borough Breakdown podcast. And that was our Borough Mash Day chatter in our pod. Up the Borough Breakdown.